Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance and Blue Pineapple Travel. This is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. This week, Patrick and I have for you another race report podcast. It will not surprise you at all to learn that this race report is going to be about the Boston Marathon, which took place this past Monday. And our reporter for this race report podcast is Rochelle Kuramoto. Uh, Rochelle is a runner from here in Metro Atlanta. Uh, she's run 19 marathons, including this past Boston Marathon. Uh, but she has an interesting history with the Boston Marathon itself. And so she's going to tell you a little bit about that in the first part of the interview. Now, to refresh your memory, the way that we're doing these podcasts here in 2019, this new format of podcasts, is that I called up Rochelle about a week before the Boston Marathon and talked to her about her history of the race, some of her expectations for the race, some of the things she was nervous about, and all that sort of thing. And then tonight, about a week after the race, I called up and said, well, how'd it go? Uh, tell us about the race itself. Did it live up to your expectations? Did you meet your goals? And then, of course, what's next for So. Uh, I'll play the first part. I'll play the interview in which she talks to us a little bit about what she's expecting from it, the interview that we recorded beforehand. I'll pop in in the middle here and uh, give you a little bit of an interlude, and then we will play the second part where she talks a little bit more about what's next for her and, of course, how the Boston Marathon itself went. So without further ado, let's hear from Rochelle Kermoto. Rochelle Kermoto, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thank you so much, George. Rochelle, you are no stranger to podcasts, and you've been on multiple podcasts before, right? I've been on a few. I wouldn't exactly call myself a podcast pro, but I love <laughs> listening to them, so I'm always excited to uh, have a conversation on one as well. Very good, very good. Um, Rochelle always has very interesting things to say, and Rochelle is getting ready for a big race. That race is? The Boston Marathon. Right on. You might have heard of that little obscure 26.2-mile race that they have <laughs> on uh, Mondays in April in, uh, in, in, in Boston, Massachusetts. So this is not your first Boston. Tell us about your history with the race. So my history with the race goes back to my very beginning of marathoning, actually. Um, I, in 2013, February of 2013, I ran my first marathon, um, which was in Tallahassee. And um, thought that people who ran marathons were crazy, was never going to do it, um, but ended up training with a friend who was training for Tallahassee, keeping her company. Um, she was, you know, kind of going through some stuff and, and runner friends do what runner friends do. And before I knew it, I had run a 19 miler and she said to me, why don't you come to Tally with me and let's go do this. <laughs> and so, <laughs> why not? Um, so... So I did, and um, I was really, really fortunate um, knowing absolutely nothing about qualifying times or what I needed to do um, or what a good marathon time even looked like, um, ran Tallahassee and qualified for Boston, hmm. um, which I know probably makes me hated um, among some people, and I, and I do realize how fortunate I am for that to have happened, um, but that was in February. Mm-hmm. And then in April, um, in Boston, a bomb went off, mm -hmm. and it made me really angry. Mm -hmm. um, and when I found out that I had qualified at Tally, um, and then I saw what happened in Boston, I realized that you know I really I wanted to go, um, and you know it, it felt very uh, motivated by something other than just running twenty six point two miles. And so I set my sights on Boston. And I ran my first Boston, I guess, 
2014. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it was amazing. It was, it was a perfect day. It was, it was warm, but in my mind, that's a, that's a fine day. Um, and my whole family, we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah. My whole family was there and, um, I have my best race picture of all time from then. And, you know, it was just, it was fantastic. Everything about it was amazing. We, we did Easter Sunday at, um, the cathedral at the finish line and, um, you know, was, um, given a scarf by a woman and a fellow runner. Um, there had been a knitting circle throughout the year after the bombing happened and people were knitting these blue and yellow scarves all throughout the year. And on Easter Sunday, there was kind of a, Hmm. an athlete's ceremony and I'll come back around to that bit of the story in a, in a minute here. Um, but it was really special. The whole thing was really special. And then, um, you know, I continued the marathon. I, I kind of discovered that 26.2 mile runners were not crazy. And in fact, they were my people. Um, yeah. And I have, um, yeah, I've kind of fallen into that tribe. Um, um, have been fortunate to go to Boston since that first time a couple other times. So I went um, in 2015 and I went in 2017. Um, and No, sorry, 2018. So last year would have been my third. Okay. And 2018 last, would have been your third. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. 2018 would have been my third. Um, and you know, the, the year that I went in between, um, you know, the weather was bad. Um, but it was, you know, it was doable. Um, it was cold. It was wet. I had some hypothermia when I finished, but I finished and it was, you know, it was a decent race for me. So I was fortunate enough to get on one of the private buses. And for anyone who is planning to ride, uh, to, to run the Boston Marathon, if you can get yourself on one of those private buses, pro tip, get on. <laughs> um, it's 40 bucks. You get to stay on the bus. Um, if the athlete's village looks like a refugee camp, which it sometimes can, um, particularly if it's pouring rain, um, you've got bathrooms. You know, it's just really fun. Um, everybody's sharing, you know, body glide and snacks um so it's great um and so last year I was I was on one of those buses and that was great and we're I'm sitting on this bus and I am chatting with these lovely people and this woman named Sue looks at me and she says wait tell me again what your name is and I said you know my name is Rochelle and she goes oh my god you're my scarf person it turns out that this wow. woman I was riding the bus with, yes, was the woman I had given a scarf to, and she had given me a scarf at that special church ceremony, my very first Boston. And so I was just absolutely certain that this was going to be a magical race. It was going to be wonderful. I had trained well. Um, I have a great coach, um, Natch, and <laughs> and here I am, you know, running into this woman who was such a special part of my very first time in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I had, um, you know, um, you know, I, I had a lot of races under my belt. I knew what to do, but I also knew something um, that was worrying me, and and that is that. Um, weather, particularly wet weather, is a little bit like kryptonite for me. Um, I don't do well in cold, wet weather. Um, I'm not a very big person, and I think that probably has something to do with it, but I think it's also largely mental. Um, and we were driving up, and I'm, I'm continuing to tell myself, you know, hey, this woman is, she is my guardian angel. This is going to be fine. I don't care if it's sleeting, 
and snowing and pouring rain and 30 mile an hour winds and oh my god it's getting colder and colder by the minute and we're still on this bus and what am I going to do and by the time we got there I was kind of a bundle of um you know optimism and pessimism all mixed up into one and um and that was kind of what got us to the start line um and, uh, you know, when you run the Boston Marathon, um, the way that it works, if you've not done it before, is you are in the athlete's village um, and they call you basically by waves. And there are these big kind of um, like almost jumbotrons that tell you when you, it's time for you to start heading to the start line. It's all very well organized and um, everybody's really excited and you can kind of walk along um, toward the start line. You've got about a mile walk. And um, you can drop your clothes, um, kind of your overclothes at any point. And, you know, pro tip number two, you can drop your clothes right at the corrals. Keep your clothes on. Mm -hmm. Don't drop them too early unless it's really hot. Um, and along that walk, you know, you're walking through neighborhoods and people are out and they've got, you know, Sharpies for you to write your name on your bib and sunscreen. And, you know, they're just everybody's just super excited and it's really wonderful. Um, except last year when it was pouring rain and it was freezing cold and it was windy and everybody kind of, it was like a dirge. Everybody was kind of trying to be excited, but really kind of freaked out. Um, hmm. And so, you know, we get to the start line and I changed my shoes and decided that I was not going to dump my overclothes, which consisted of a pair of pants, um, a bright orange racing shirt that like from a from an old race that I've decided is bad luck and I, I just finally got rid of it um over my <laughs> over my singlet um I had on a pair of gloves I had on a hat I had on a um a poncho and a plastic bag and um you know my ear warmers um but I did not have like an under layer of plastic okay uh, and so, you know, I was soaked to the skin, you know, um, at the start and already shivering and really, really looking forward to running, um, figuring that that would warm me up. The Boston Marathon, and, I, and anyone who has ever read anything about it, one of the things that you always read is that it starts downhill. And I think everybody was trying to warm up, and we were trying to run those five miles pretty fast, actually. Um, and by about mile three, I started looking for porta potties. Just like I need to, I need to stop for a second. I need to duck in, get out of the rain. Um, and I decided I was going to will myself porta potty by porta potty. Um, and so about every mile and a half, I sort of checked in. How am I doing? Okay, do I need to stop? I don't need to stop. I can keep going. And um, the crowd started to slow down at you know mile five six. And um, as soon as I started to slow down, the strangest thing happened. It was like my body temperature uh, wouldn't wouldn't go up anymore, and 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 was actually kind of going down. And I think it was because I was I was really wet, I was really cold. And my understanding is that um, I was not the only one. Um, apparently, you know, some of the pros were were taking some stops um, to try to get out of of the elements and and warm up a little bit. So, so to, really be, to be to be clear, to, you were you were getting yeah. you were you were going into the porta potties for the sake of trying to get warm. You were just trying to take a yeah. respite from like the cold and the rain and the wind and everything else. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Did you still yep. had, had you I, shed all of those layers that you were talking about? 
No, I was still running in everything I brought to the start line. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, all of it. Um, and I never did actually stop in the party potties, but my understanding is, you know, Shalane Flanagan did and, um, you know, a number of the other pros did. Um, and boy, I tell you what, if that doesn't tell you about the weather conditions, <laughs> that a porta potty is an, is a better option <laughs> than, than the alternative, you know, that, that's definitely that, that, telling That's the reason why I wanted to make sure we were clear. <laughs> Cause I was like, I don't think I've ever like, you know, longed for the solace and, and, and wonderment <laughs> that is a porta potty. <laughs> right. I yeah. mean, for sure. Um, so, you know, that was the other reason why I was like, do I have to stop? No, I think I can keep going. Um, but at mile 11, I didn't have an option anymore. Um, I was shaking so hard. Um, I don't know if you've ever blown a tire, but you know, if you, if you do, the steering wheel shakes back and forth side to side and you can't, you can't keep it, you know, can't keep it pointed straight. And that was what my body was doing. It was just the darndest thing. Um, and so um, I started looking for a, a med tent um, because I knew that, you know, the, wheel, the wheels were coming off. And, um, and I stopped. And as soon as I did, I walked into the med tent and my, my legs gave out. I just kind of crumbled. Um, at which point a very kind nurse who I was furious with came and told me that I was done. Um, and he took all my clothes um, you know, he tried to strip off all of the layers that I was still wearing just to get the wet, cold, you know, heavy material off of me. Um, I had made it to mile 11 and there was a fire station there. Um, and so I went from the tent, um, they carried me into the fire station and gave me warm water to drink to try to, you know, warm up from the inside out. Um, and at that point, you know, I was, um, toward the front of the second wave, um, and the fire station already had probably about a dozen elites, um, and, um, kind of some of the, you know, just people who really, gosh, you know, are much stronger runners than I am. Um, and in hindsight, I think that the site must've been humorous in a way, um, you know, you've got all of these wet, sad, skinny, crying people sitting in a circle in a fire station um, and, you know, trying to comfort one another. Um, at the time, it was just it was just really disappointing. Um, and that then started a three hour journey back to the start line um, on a bus with, you know, with other people. And um, and it took such a long time. Because we drove along the course, you know, um, you know, picking up other people, um, you know, who had, um, you know, who had not been able to kind of stick it out, tough it out. Um, so, you know, I mean, I've always, I've always said, and I think anybody who runs marathons will kind of assure themselves that anything can happen over 26 miles. You know, it doesn't matter how well-trained you are. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. It doesn't matter how committed or tenacious you are. Um, sometimes it doesn't work. And, um, and, and last year at Boston, it did not work for me. Mm-hmm. It, seems like, so, it seems like the, 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 the way that you describe them uh, kind of moving you in the firehouse and you're there with all these other people who are 
similarly upset and you're sitting in a circle and then you have to get back on the bus and then it takes you so long. It seems like that would increase the trauma of the situation. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if you've been able to just sort of neatly drop out, it would have been one thing. Um, and you know, you yeah. drop out like in front of your hotel or something and you just kind of walk inside and you take a warm shower and you warm up and you watch the finish on the TV. That might be a little bit different. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, but, but it seemed like it was such a process. It probably made it even that much more disconcerting. I mean, is that right? Um, yes and no. Um, so the thing was, and you know, in looking back on it, um, you know, for a while actually during that day, and there was another point at which it happened again, I was actually, um, like almost mentally disconnected. Like my brain didn't even work right. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is, can, can come along with some of the hypothermia. Um, you know, there's, there's some solace in the fact that, I realized that it was not mind over matter or mind over body. Um, this was not a choice that I made. As opposed to if I decided midway through a race, you know what, I'm not feeling this, I'm going to stop at my hotel, go take a warm shower and watch everybody else finish. I would have been feeling really, really bad and angry at myself. The fact that I was literally riding the struggle bus and I could not get <laughs> off was kind of comforting because it really okay. wasn't my choice, okay. <laughs> you know. Um, and also, I, I ended up sharing a seat with this young Chinese um, kid who had qualified, and um, it was his first time in the States. He had, you know, qualified for Boston, um, and he didn't make it. And, you know, I, I chose to sort of comfort him instead of feel sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you reloaded, we should say. Um, and yep. yeah, I remember, I remember talking to you the next day and, and we were talking about, okay, what next, what do you want to do? And I remember actually you're, you're, you said the day afterwards, you reflected some of the things that you just said around it not really being a choice and had you mm -hmm. felt like you had chosen it, then, then you probably would have had a much different emotional takeaway from it than you did because you felt like it was just completely out of your hands. Um, mm -hmm. Um, but you did want to try and, and redeem yourself a little bit or, or at least cash in some of the fitness that you still had because, you, like you said, you had trained well and all that sort of thing. So two weeks later, you went to Big Sur, right? <laughs> you bet. Mm -hmm. um, so I have this wonderful friend named Dara, and you know, shout out to Dara. She knew that I needed a redemption, and um, she's she's well-connected and generous, and she was able to get her hands on an extra number for Big Sur, which, you know, most people who run know that coming by a Big Sur marathon number, yeah. especially two, like a week before, is not an easy thing to do. She was going to do um, Boston to Big Sur. She, she was already going out, and there were two others um, going with her, and she's like, hey, get a plane ticket, come with me, crash in my room. I got this, you know, this number, just come run. Um, and you know, I had some miles and just decided why the heck not. And, um, and went out to Big Sur, which is hands down the most beautiful marathon I have ever run. Mm -hmm. Um, I was with these three lovely women. Um, and you know, had a had a beautiful run that day. I, I just ran for joy. Um, managed to requalify for Boston, not by a ton, but a, it was a good qualifying time. Um, took you know an age group award, which was unexpected and super exciting. Um, and you know just had a chance to revel in 
the fact that, you know, doing this is my joy. It's not my job. It's something that I'm grateful to be able to do. Um, and, and that really kind of encompassed, you know, all of that emotion of that first Boston that was just so great. Um, Big Sur had a little bit of that because it was a little bit of like, you know what, I'll show you world, you know, I got this, this is okay. Very good. Yeah. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, George. I mean, it took me down that Boston, that, that non-finished at Boston hurt me for months. It, it got into my head. It got into my heart. Um, it took, you know, it, it takes some time to come back from a, from a, you know, I won't say a failure, but from a big stumble like that. So when did you decide you wanted to do it again then? So we've, we've kind of set ourselves up well now. So that's what you were in 2018. Now you're getting ready to do it again in 2019, right? So, so at, what, yeah. at what point over the course? Because you have to sign up in September. Um, right. And so that's, that's about a five-month window there where mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to guess, but you tell me, um, you probably went back and forth between saying, yeah, I definitely want to do this again and I want to go back and, and I want to you know have a good experience in Boston and, and saying, I'm never doing that again. Um, <laughs> I mean, so so at, at what point did you uh, did you did you make the decision? Okay, yeah, I am going to go back. I'm going to try again. <laughs> so you know that eighty twenty rule. Um, mm-hmm. So I was eighty percent. I am never doing this again. This is <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's expensive. It's hard. It's you know it's it's time away from my family. Um, uh, and twenty percent like yeah, dang it. You know it's there, and maybe I should just try again. Um, and then, you know, that lovely friend I mentioned, Dara, said to me, it's my 10th Boston, and I need you there, and I want you to come with me. And what are you going to say except, fine, okay, sure, I'll, re- I'll register again. Um, so I, I re-registered, and um, I bought the Farmer's Almanac before <laughs> I registered. <laughs> because I was like, I'll be darned if I'm going to do this and I, I'm going to get up there and the weather's going to be terrible. I'm going to confirm that it's going to be beautiful. And the Farmer's Almanac promised it was going to be like 50 degrees and dry. And I'm I'm looking at the weather report now a week out and I'm realizing the Farmer's Almanac is antiquated and stupid. <laughs> um, but I'm going and I'm trained. Mm. And um, and so that's, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be with Dara and I'm going to celebrate her 10th and do the best I can do. And, you know, that's what it is. All right. Yeah. I was going to say, so we're, we're a week out. So we're recording this one week from Boston. And as of right now, yeah. as of right now, a week out, the, the, the forecast is once again for a little bit of rain in Boston. And, uh, and, and temperature is about 10 degrees warmer, though. Temperature is probably in the mid 40s rather than the mid 30s. So. You know, we'll see. What did the Farmer's mm-hmm. Almanac say it was going to be? Like 50 and dry. Perfect. <laughs> oh, those farmers. What do they know about weather? Those farmers. <laughs> you know what? I think I think they actually were predicting the Atlanta Marathon weather, which was spectacular. <laughs> um, so, you know, but the thing is, is I now know that I was underdressed last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a better sense of what I need to do. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, Boston is a point to point. So who's to say that it won't be, you know, mid forties, which is really kind of ideal racing weather it is, yeah. and just, 
drizzle, not downpour, right. and a and a and a wind at our back. I mean, yeah. that's a PR right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, wind at your back, an overcast day, so the sun's not blinding you and 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 making you squint and tense up and all that. Yeah, it could be ideal. We'll see. Could be. Yeah, could be. I hope so. I hope so. Certainly. Yeah. Um, so you kind of you kind of referred to to the last thing we want to talk about here. Well, we'll talk about two more things. Uh, one of the last things we want to talk about is is some of the changes, I guess you could say, that that, that you're bringing about as a result of, of the experience you had there last year. Um, and so, talk to us a little about mental changes and even logistical changes, that sort of thing that you that you're doing a little bit differently here. Yeah. So mental changes. Um, you know, one of the things. My second Boston was mid 40s and raining, um, and and a headwind. Um, and and that was not fun, but it wasn't debilitating. And so I, I very clearly know the difference between not fun and debilitating. I can run and not fun. That's okay. Um, and so I'm preparing myself for that and I'll be delighted if it's better. Um, if the weather conditions are what they were last year, I'm not sure I'm mentally prepared for that yet, but I still have seven days. Um, but I do think that um, I know what the alternative looks like. Um, I know what the struggle bus, like really riding the struggle, the actual struggle bus looks like. And I, and I know I don't want to do that again. So, you know, there's going to have to be some mental fortitude built over the next couple of days. Um, and you know, again, I think that, um, you know, I am fortunate to be, um, able to run marathons on a pretty regular basis. And, and so if this isn't the best one ever, then it isn't the best one ever. It's still Boston and I'll be there with friends and, and that might just have to be what it is. Um, as far as logistical changes, glad I'm on the bus. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> so, so you're, you're doing, you're doing the $40 charter bus again. Best forty dollars I'll spend all year for sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, a couple things I'm going to do differently. Um, I am going to. Um, I actually bought a, a rain jacket um, that's you know sealed seams and, and the whole nine yards. Um, so you know if I need it, I've got that. I've also got. Um, some heat sheets that are in small folded packages that I may go ahead and pack in my pocket. Um, and you know, one for myself and one for somebody else who's struggling next to me. Um, I am probably not going to try to change my shoes at the start line. Instead, I'll probably, um, rubber band, uh, plastic bags on my feet until the start line. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to wear an unlucky old shirt, okay. you know, Um, but you know, I think there are a number of things that, that I'm going to try to do. Um, I'm also going to try to figure out some sort of a plastic layer for under my gloves to keep my hands Mm -hmm. as warm as possible. So Mm -hmm. hands, feet, and core, um, are, are really going to be the things that I try to do a better job with this, this time around. What about like latex medical gloves? Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure I had heard that um, it was maybe Patrick actually who recommended that last year, mm-hmm. um, and I I will probably try to do that. Right. Very good. Very yeah. Good. Very good. And last thing, and so I th- I think I think I know the answer to this, but let's talk about do you, what's your goal? Do you have a goal? I mean, and and what what would what would consider? Because I, I don't mean a time. 
because mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily about time, given mm-hmm. what you've described for us over the course of the last little while here. What mm-hmm. what would it take for you to cross the finish line and and feel pleasantly exhausted? Um, you know, I know this course. Um, I know where I'd like to run it strong, um, and I. I, I mean, I guess I do have kind of a time goal in my head. It's a pretty wide window knowing what the weather is looking like. Um, but I can't think of a, honestly, George, I can't think of a marathon that I haven't crossed the finish line and, and not felt pleasantly exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, it is an endeavor that that is exhausting and it is pleasant. and And so... You know, every time I cross that finish line, I find a reason to be, um, to be really joyful um, and and grateful, even if things didn't all go entirely to plan. And um, I'll be delighted, especially if I finish in my time goal, um, and I'll be ecstatic if I beat it. <laughs> right on, right on, right on. Well, you'll definitely beat it if, in fact, the uh, the ideal weather situation turns out to be what we got next week. So, so look forward to that. Right. right? Right, right on, right <laughs> exactly. On. Well, Rochelle, we appreciate it. Um, after the race, we'll, we we look forward to following up with you. But uh, in the meantime, good luck on Patriots Day. Go get them. Be tough. Thanks. I'll uh, I'll have Sam Adams for you when I'm done. <laughs> right on, right on. Very good. <laughs> okay, so that was the first half of our interview with Rochelle. As I mentioned, she had sort of an interesting challenge here. She had to try and get that monkey off her back here from the 2018 Boston Marathon, that DNF that she had in those horrendous weather conditions. No need to say a whole lot more about it. Let's just hop right in and see how it went for. Rochelle Kuramoto, welcome back after the Boston Marathon. Thank you. And spoiler alert, it was a successful Boston Marathon. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I at least accomplished a couple of my goals. Not all of them, but we'll call it a success. Okay, okay. Well, I, I definitely want to hear all about that. But, but let's start with uh, the big thing that we talked so much about because it turned out to be not what we expected at all. Uh, and that's the weather. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, so to, so to recap for everybody, um, 2018 was a disastrous weather day. It was raining and snowing and sleeting and under 35 degrees, and and that caused Rochelle to to be forced to off the course. Um, and over the course of the week leading up to the Boston Marathon this year, the forecast was kind of shaping up similarly, and that's yeah. not what happened. <laughs> no. No. Tell us about it. <laughs> So, yeah, leading up that whole week, um, I was doing everything I could to just remain mentally strong. You know, you can train and train and train for a race. And, and you know, if you know what your kryptonite is and you are looking right. it in the face, you're just like, oh, this is just going to be it's going to be terrible. But, um, you know, people wiser than I um, just kept assuring me, you know, you can do this. Um, and my husband in particular bought me a really, really good rain jacket and told me just get on the plane. All you have to do is get yourself to the plane. And so I got on the plane and um, got there and had just a spectacular weekend. We had so much fun leading up to the Boston Marathon. Um, you know, the whole environment is just awesome. And we're the weather's amazing. Like we're doing this shakeout run on Sunday and it's gorgeous and you know, it's just amazing. And we're watching the weather and it's, and it's looking like, okay, you know, two days before the race, it was a hundred percent rain. And then the day before it was like 90% and then it was going to 80%. But there was this little window from like 10 to one 
where it was showing that it was going to clear up. And so I thought, okay, you know what? Like maybe the farmer's almanac wasn't wasn't wrong. Right. Um, and, and I had you the know, exact of, same thought. <laughs> I was like, maybe the farmers do know what they're talking about. Maybe they know. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I was hopeful. Um, and we got up the morning of the race and it wasn't raining yet, but we knew it was coming. And, you know, I mean, all of the weather forecasters on the news, there, like just total doomsday. I mean, it's going to be 30 mile an hour winds. It's going to be raining. And, you know, they're, they're moving people inside because of lightning and, you know, and, um, my girlfriend who I was there with Dara had a, um, a throwaway rain jacket. And she said, you know what, I think it's going to be warm. And that to me was the thing that made me feel okay about it. Cause I don't mind being wet so much, but that freezing cold and wet, I just was afraid would be my undoing. Yeah. Um, so she was kind enough to give me her throwaway rain jacket in case it did get warm enough that, you know, just wasn't needed. Um, and so, you know, we kind of, I got on the bus with literally a bag of bags. I had big little ones, rubber gloves, you know, a, a plastic rain jacket, a poncho. Um, and it rained so hard on the way to the start line to the point that our bus was leaking. Um, Stacy <laughs> Richards, who's another ITL athlete and I were, um, on the bus together and we were like snuggling under a mylar blanket just to stay dry on the bus. Um, but we got there and it, and the rain started to subside. And by the time I got to the start line, um, right about 10, 20, it was kind of just dripping by mile two. It was not raining mm -hmm. by mile four. It was clear. I did not need this rain jacket. So I ditched it. Um, by mile probably six or seven, the sun came out and, and it got wow. hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, like my Garmin was reading like 80 <laughs> um and so it, it was actually pretty funny because well it not it wasn't funny for a lot of people it was not funny um we a lot of us were not dressed for that mm -hmm. um and did not anticipate that kind of heat and and direct sun um yeah. i've got some funky old tan lines and i would imagine a lot of people do mm. um but it slowed everybody down mm -hmm. um i know it slowed me down and and everybody i know with the exception of one person who's just an absolute beast with, you know, jet, um, jet boots, um, it slowed everybody down about 10 minutes off their goal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure that that wasn't the case for everybody, but with my little universe, it, it kind of was the case. And, um, and, and, you know, so it was one of those situations where it was like, okay, I got my wish. It's not raining. Now I'm dumping water on myself at every water stop so that I can stay cool. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but the irony in that you're dumping water on yourself, you know, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. So that, that morning I got up and, and I was going to try and squeeze in a run prior to tracking all of y'all and following the race and watching the race and all that sort of thing, you know? And I checked my weather app, and my weather app in Atlanta said 44 degrees. And my first thought was, oh, my God, if it's 44 degrees in Atlanta, it must be freezing there. And I had already assumed it was going to be raining. And, and, and so then I swipe over to see what it is in Boston, and it's 61. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was so it weird. Was, it, was, it was more than 15 degrees warmer in Boston than it was in Atlanta that day. Yep. Like, yeah, that was on nobody's radar. <laughs> no, it was completely it was just a complete freak thing. Um, you know, I think everybody was really surprised by it. And it did rain later mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was finished and you know, talking with um, with Dara in the hotel room. And all of a sudden it was like, what is that noise? And mm -hmm. I mean, it was torrential downpour. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, anybody who was just finishing did get caught in it. Um, and, and that was unfortunate because I think they were really warm at that point, And that, that does a number on your body temperature. So, yeah. 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 And, it, and it was torrential beforehand. There was like a lot of puddles and stuff in the first five miles I saw and everything. But yeah, yeah, there definitely were. Um, but, you know, the first five miles of the Boston Marathon, it's like, it's such a it's such a pack of bodies mm-hmm. that um, you know there's just kind of water flying. I mean, it didn't really <laughs> matter if it was in puddle form or whatever. I mean, it was just kind of everywhere. So, All right. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. So 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 that was obviously the big one. So so take us through it a little bit. So so you you told us about how it the sun came out. It started getting hot. I mean, you're dumping water on yourself. What yeah. what, are your, what are your splits like? Like how are you feeling? You know. Um, I felt spectacular um, until probably, I don't know, 16 or so. Felt great. Um, I was having a blast. And, you know, um, this has been an interesting training season um, for me. Just, I'm, you know, trying to nurse a chronic hip issue um, kind of out of my life. And so I just honestly didn't know what to expect. Um, And so, you know, I had a couple of goals going in. I mean, one obviously was I needed to finish this race. I needed to get this course back um, after sort of losing it last year. And, um, and I needed to, um, I needed to have fun with it. You know, I mean, that crowd is so amazing and I needed to have fun with the crowd. And then I had about a 10 minute window of time that I was really trying to come in at. And, um, and you know, up until about mile 16, I'm like, man, I got this. Like, man, I might even beat it. It's going to be great. And then it got hotter and hotter and I hit the hills and I, and I had told myself I was going to slow down on the hills and, you know, keep some, keep some fuel for the last six miles. And, um, and I think, you know, what ended up happening was I enjoyed the hills. Um, I let myself slow down on them and, um, you know, just kind of took them as they came. No big deal. Um, and I hit about mile 20 and it was hot and, um, and I was tired. And so I needed to sort of figure out, okay, you know, what does this mean for me? Um, and I had, one, I had one water stop where, um, the volunteer sort of whiffed and I decided like it was more important to go back and get water than it was to have a really solid split on that mile. So I let myself like quick stop get some water and then keep going. I sort of put my head back into a training run mode and did two minute, you know, pickups for the last six miles just to try to keep my pace about where I wanted it to be. Um, But I also decided at that point when I knew I wasn't going to hit the time goal that um, I was going to just enjoy it. Um, One of the things I did do on the course was I, I stopped for a brief moment at mile 11 at the med tent where they helped me so much last year mm-hmm. and just said a personal thank you to the medical team. Um, they were out front cool. and I just, yeah, I just stopped for a second and That's just, cool. you know, they worked so hard all day long. I just wanted them to know that, you know, they know that what they do makes a difference, but uh, you know, it felt nice to be able to thank them personally. Um, and then, you know, I just finished the race high-fiving people and smiling until my face hurt and enjoying seeing the Sitco sign and then knowing it was behind me and just kind of connecting with humanity. Um, and that was awesome. I loved that. Very cool. Very good. Very yeah. good. Congratulations. I mean, Thank obviously, you. I mean, do you feel like the monkey's off your back a little bit? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. And, you know, I also, um, watched a couple of my really good friends really struggle and, um, and end up on the bus and, um, this year, you know, 
This year. Mm-hmm. And and ended up helping to take care of a couple folks after the race who had really kind of, you know, they got they got hit hard by the absolute opposite, you know, weather, um, you know, from last year. And I train with some of these people and I know how strong they are and I know how well trained they are. And I think that what you realize, you know, when you kind of get out of your own pity party is that um, so much can happen in a marathon and so much does and everybody kind of earns their stripes and, you know, you can be the best trained in the world and, and you might get taken down. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a, certainly, it's a humbling thing, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's definitely off my back and it was good. a great training season. So no regrets. Good, good. Yeah. You know, I, the, the thing I think about is, um, you know, and, and, and when you talk about the things that make the Boston Marathon difficult, one thing that always comes up is the unpredictability, unpredictability of the weather. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I think about how really the ideal window for a marathon weather-wise, it's actually a fairly small window. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's mm-hmm. only about 15 to 20 degrees maybe. It's like from high 30s to high 50s. Yeah. Um, that, that's about it. And, and a couple of different conditions, you know, but, but, um, if you get a place like new England, um, where, and in, in late mid to late April, there can be just such radical swings on each side of that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so, so that, that was one thing that was kind of brought home to me is that the weather was not ideal this year nor last year. Um, right. um, I mean, this year was probably preferable to last year, but neither you, but, but, but yeah, <laughs> certainly for you, but, but, but it still wasn't ideal for anybody. Um, you know, there, there, there are athletes that I coach that, that, uh, didn't hit their goals because it was too hot. Um, yeah. and, and that slowed them down. Um, yeah. and that's just not something that was remotely on the radar for anybody. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, the paces I was running and I compare my heart rate to the paces I was running, mm-hmm. the disparity can only be explained by the yeah. fact that it was so hot. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, that's, that's one of the first places you'll see it for sure. Yep. For sure. Yep. Very good. Yep. Well, Rochelle, what's next? Um, so I'm um, registered for Twin Cities um, in October. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you so done I'm Twin super... Cities before? No. And I'm so excited. Have good. you done it? I haven't, but I've heard nothing but good things. And it's, it's, it's on my, I, I want to say it's on my short list, but it's not a short list. Um, it's, it's on my long short list. Yeah. 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 No, I'm super excited. Um, I grew up up there and I have tons of friends and family up there and, um, it is going to be my 20th marathon. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm a storyteller by profession and by nature. Um, and so for me, kind of that's that story that the, you know, celebrating my 20th with family and friends, um, you know, where I grew up is, that's going to be really special. So I'm excited about that. That is really cool. You know, one thing that I, that came to mind, um, for me when I was listening to re-listening to the first part of, of this race report, um, getting ready for the second part here, um, was you were talking about how you got into marathoning in Tallahassee and you got into it because you're helping out a friend. And then, you know, this is going to be your 20th one. And I dare say that at least eight of those ones that you've done so far have been running with other people or pacing other people and things like that. Um, and so I think that, that for you in particular, um, as I was kind of reflecting about you as the athlete, um, there is a story to be told and there is a very communal aspect to what it is you do as a marathoner. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a fitting one for you given all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I'd never mind training in the summer. Um, I have a little bit more flexibility with my, you know, my kids not being in school, so I always feel a little bit more capable of training well in the summer. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Right on. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I will tell you, I and you've heard me complain on this podcast before that 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 training during the summer and training for an October marathon is ugh, terrible because you have to train for the summer in the, in the South, but I'm planning on doing an October marathon in 2020. And so I'm going to get over it. And I found one of the biggest things this summer, in my opinion, was that rather than drinking hot tea prior to a long run, I drank iced tea. Uh huh. I'm telling you, Rochelle, magic. All right. That is good to know. So you know what? I actually, this is like a total little segue back into the Boston um, report, but I took a popsicle on the course from a little kid. Yeah. It was the best popsicle I've ever had in my <laughs> life. So I mean, I totally, totally hear you on that ice tea thing. Like, I was like, why doesn't everybody do this? I'm going to do this for people. <laughs> right? Yeah, perfect. Yes. But, but, it, but, but it makes sense on multiple levels. It's sugary, it's sweet, it's cold. And given Rochelle, the storyteller, the communal marathoner, it was handed to you by a little kid. Right. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Very good. Well, on that note, one more time, congratulations, Rochelle. And uh, thanks a whole lot for, for talking with us and, and letting us know about uh, last year and your story with the Boston Marathon. And then, of course, this year. I'm, I'm glad that turned out well for you. Thank you so much for letting me tell the story. I mean, marathoners love to talk about their marathoning. So this is great fun. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, good luck in Twin Cities, and we'll talk more soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. And that'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance and Blue Pineapple Travel. Once again, you can reach out to me, George, at george at itlcoaching.com. You can reach out to Patrick, patrick at itlcoaching.com. You can send us an email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, at pleasantpodcast, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Don't forget to reach out to our sponsors as well. You can find ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com, at itlcoaching on Twitter, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance. Finally, of course, Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and on Instagram, instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. We'll see you next time on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.